Hello and welcome back to Tells. Hello, Andrew. Are you sure we were recording this time? We're recording. Okay. So last week we didn't have a podcast, partly because I had forgotten something that I wanted to say, and Andrew said, "Just pause the podcast and look it up, see if you can remember." Uh huh. And then I looked it up, and I couldn't find it. And then I sat down to continue recording. I was like, "Ah, it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it. It will come to me." And I sat down, and I didn't click record. Yes. And we didn't realize it for 25 minutes <laughs> worth of sitting here talking to each other around a microphone. And then when we tried to redo it, I was exhausted. I felt like the conversation was disjointed and I abandoned it. And consequently, Andrew was very angry. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought uh, I thought it was a nice uh, little conversation, rehash conversation. Could have been good enough share it with the audience, but no, Boosie says it's got to be of top quality for our Tells audience. They deserve nothing less than the best. And so it got shelved, right? Scrapped, not shelved. Scrapped. Shelved means that it will come off the shelf one day, potentially. No, you don't think we'll have like a bloopers reel or like unreleased recordings or something like that from the vault one day? I guess that's a that's an idea. No, you're right. We probably won't. So it's gone forever. So uh, it wasn't without trying. We did, It's not like we just uh, skipped a week last week. We did try, but we failed miserably. Crashed and burned. <laughs> Said screw it. And uh, here we are one week later. Speaking of failure, I almost became a failed protester yesterday. <laughs> a failed protester. Yes. So... I found out that there was going to be a bike ride protest mm -hmm. downtown Las Vegas. And I was like, okay, that sounds sounds good. Mm -hmm. I might join. And the, the hard part is like not knowing who's organizing, right? But it was a guy who lived in the building who posted it. Like he used to live in the building and I'd met him a couple of times. I was like, okay, well, maybe protest was supposed to start at eight. I woke up at like 7.45 mm -hmm. and then I'm like, I would like to have a cup of tea. So I make myself a cup of tea and I'm thinking to myself, well, they said you shouldn't go to protest by yourself, but Andrew's sleeping. So what should I do? I didn't tell anybody else, you know, because <laughs> which friend is going to be like, yeah, sure. I'll come with you in five minutes notice. Right. It's also pretty early for a Saturday. Yeah, but it's Las Vegas, which means it's already 100 degrees at 750. Mm, good point. So anyway, I'm having this internal dialogue of, should I go? Shouldn't I go? And I have a bike, but it's not street ready. I'm sure the tires <laughs> are very flat. So I was just going to use one of the city bikes. And I keep refreshing the city bike app. And there's one lone bike closest to our apartment building mm -hmm. and so i'm like that's a sign it's a sign that i should go there's one bike i'm going so i finally head downstairs and they're still like you know organizing and telling people what the route is going to be and pinning the black lives matter sheet on people's backs mm -hmm. and then i'm like hello i'm here i'm just going to get a bicycle okay and they're like okay the bicycle that was waiting for me at 7.50 till 8 o'clock when I finally decided to leave my apartment. It had been snatched up. Yeah. So then I went to the next, no, went, ran to the next bike rack and there's a couple taking the last bike. So I'm like, I have an app. Should I just be a dick and just check it out? Because they were still... <laughs> they, no. they were still typing in the information. I was like... I have the app no so way. I could literally just get there and yank it out and pretend I didn't see them. And I was yeah, like, right. yeah, that's it crossed my mind. Would I ever do that? <laughs> Probably not. But it did cross my mind. OK, so then now I'm looking for the third bike station, which is about three blocks. And at this time, the Las Vegas Metro Police Department says, OK, so make sure that Everybody stays in between the first 
Spikeade and the last, you know, like the first two cops and the last two cops. Yeah, so there was a police escort for the bike ride. Right. So they were in front and in back, sort of, yeah, escorting them and blocking off traffic and stuff. I was like, there's no way all these people are going to be riding super fast down Las Vegas Boulevard. It's all good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check out the bike because there was four or five bikes at this last bike rack, which is three blocks from our apartment. So you ran to the next one? I ran to the next one, <laughs> check out the bike. And as I, just before I finished checking out the bike, I look back and I can see the bikers, you know, pulling out of the parking lot where they'd all gathered. Yeah. And I was like, perfect. They're going to cycle past here and I'm just going to hop into the mm-hmm. march. And then I'm waiting and the bikes never come. They never come in towards your direction? Yeah, they, they set out in my direction. Yeah. But then I'm like, why aren't they getting closer? That's because they turned one street ahead of where they said they would. They said they were going to turn on Hoover. Okay. Change of direction, change of plans. I see two bikes and the last police car mm-hmm. on Las Vegas Boulevard because mm-hmm. I'm on a street parallel to Las Vegas Boulevard. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to cycle fast. Mm-hmm. And catch them, not realizing that a police escort means no stopping at the traffic light. So while I'm stopped at the traffic light, the bike parade is moving along. Leaving you behind. I was so disappointed. Yeah. So they left you. They were gone. Yeah. And you you had given up. I was cycling furiously. And I get to Las Vegas Boulevard and close to the stratosphere Mm -hmm. and i see no bikes no cops nobody nobody to be found i am alone black lives matter (laughs) pamphlet on my back just cycling (laughs) you have the thing pinned to your back i have the black lives matter (laughs) sole protester leading her own protest look at you so then i stop and call andrew yeah you facetime me oh no so i tried to text gary who was you yeah. know part of the protest but I no was, response of course no response because he's leading the whole thing <sighs> yeah so facetime me don't know what the hell to do by yourself so then i get dressed get ready come down <laughs> meet you as you had returned to the building in the elevator came downstairs grabbed the uh, the two bikes that were waiting for us nearby and off we went to go find the protest yeah, so we chased the protest. Yeah, because they were just going straight down the boulevard and then straight back up the boulevard, Las Vegas Boulevard, right? back up the strip. So we went down, down the strip, and eventually we found the protest of 100 to 200 cyclists with police escorts. So, yeah, then we hopped in yeah. and uh, chanted our way down Las Vegas Boulevard. Yes, it wasn't a complete failure on your part. Almost. almost. I was so disappointed. You but almost failed. <laughs> I almost failed the Black Lives vote. Matter movement. <laughs> <laughs> but it was this back and forth conversation that I was having with myself about, oh, I shouldn't go by myself and just nonsense. I mean, the bike that was sitting there for 15 minutes all by itself when there were so many people, mm-hmm. that was the sign. That so what did we learn? Got to be decisive. Got to be decisive. No and sitting I, around drinking tea when there's a protest to be joined. <laughs> and I can't wait for sleepy Andrew. That's right. Can't wait for me. Yeah. Um. So a good morning had by all. But then also I come home and I'm like, that was great. Because whether you like it or not, right? So a peaceful protest is an awareness campaign, right? So whether you like it or not, you were either agitated by the sight Mm-hmm. of us or encouraged but then there's still the idea of like what how do, how does that translate into the the change that we need yeah like you feel like it might not have necessarily accomplished or moved the needle right all that much but yeah when you think about change in the past they talk about the busing sit-ins where that was like 327 days of protests mm. Or, you know, the civil rights protests. Those were days, hundreds of days. Mm -hmm. So to think that, you know, three weeks of protesting and petitioning is enough. It's easy to get like, I guess, 
maybe exhausted or frustrated like quickly you know but that is our state of being right like we look at the new cycle and the mm-hmm. new cycle just moves on yeah because the new cycle was dominated by covid coronavirus like how the million ways you can get coronavirus and then we had the George Floyd incident and that was all encompassing on the news and police brutality and now we're trying to move on to mm. so i think that's a a failure on our part because just cuz something is not top of mind doesn't mean it's important Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you said, like people are so much so now they're so used to like a much shorter news cycle. It's like every day or every other day, there's some story that grabs our attention and that literally like changes every other day, you know, or like, you know, a week, yeah. a week will go by and we've forgotten about last week's thing. And I think we're just like so used to that now. So it is hard to sort of maintain that momentum and attention on something. Yeah. And I think it's okay because not everything will be top of mind for every person. Mm-hmm. So I you have to pick your battle. Like what happened to uh the Carolyn Goodman uh mayor <laughs> removal thing? Is Doug? that still happening? <laughs> Doug? Yeah. Doug, we know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, we know you're not listening. <laughs> What's the status? Is yeah, there is one? Caroline Goodman going to be removed or not? Or... We need to know. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. That was uh, that was Saturday. <laughs> yep, that was Saturday. We got some, some interesting pictures and video from the bike ride. I'm going to post those, I think, today on my Instagram, which will probably be gone by the time you're listening to this, but maybe. Maybe I'll post them on the feed and it'll still be there. That's the way Instagram works. Okay. 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 What what else do you want to talk about, Andrew? Mm, you made some carrot cake. Seriously? Boy, is that delicious carrot cake. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jamin Burton, big carrot cake fan. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. There was no frosting, though, on this carrot cake, so I don't know if it would be Jamin approved. Well, it's Andrew approved. I know that much. Okay. Don't you have topics? Yes. So I do don't know topics. why are we talking about carrot cake you want me to lead the uh the topic yeah the program topic number one what is systemic racism what's the next topic? so you gave me some topics to talk about and one of them was what is systemic racism why did you give me that topic because i want to understand from you what you think that is me yeah. as as me as andrew i took some notes mm. i can reference my notes if that's allowed is that allowed yes okay good I think it's racism that affects people by way of access to the structures that we as a society have created over time. Uh, or it could also be racism that punishes certain people because of the way those structures operate at a base level. Mm. So that's sort of like top level wide view sort of a thing. And then you could like start to get into tons of various examples and such because it is interesting because i think like a lot of people there's like a debate as to whether or not it exists or is a thing still you know i think some people might be willing to admit that there used to be some sort of examples of systemic racism in our in our past but believe that everything is kind of like on the level and fair for all these days what is the difference between systemic racism and systematic racism to you Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure. So you said there were some forms of systemic racism. Sure. In my understanding, which could be wrong, so systematic racism is like how you do something, right? So saying that there's going to be separate drinking fountains for white or black people. That's like the how. There's a system in place of how you do it. Okay. Systemic is that that is the system. It's not a how it is the system. Okay. So the the very foundation. And I think that's why it's so hard for people to acknowledge. If we say that the system is inherently racist, mm-hmm. what does that what does that mean? You're asking me? Yeah. Cause we always want to separate ourselves, right? Saying there are racist people mm-hmm. that do racist things. Mm-hmm. If we imagine that we are fish, the water itself is contaminated. It's not one fish that eats other fish. Mm-hmm. It's the water itself that we're all 
inside. Sure. Which means that you knowingly or unknowingly contribute to that just by existing in the water. Yeah. Okay. Of racism, if we call it. And that, I think that's very hard. So is it the kind of thing where, like, if you are not part of a solution, then you are part of the problem? Like, if you're not becoming aware of your surroundings and aware of the system and working on changing it, then you are sort of, like, maybe not actively uh, making it worse, but maybe your lack of attention towards it and adjusting it makes it worse. They always say a fish doesn't know that it's in water. Well, let's talk about like, there's a couple examples that I wrote down. Okay. These are like simple examples, but school systems, at least partially funded by local property taxes. Mm -hmm. In poor neighborhoods, there's going to be less taxes generated, therefore less funding for schools. Mm -hmm. Therefore, people growing up in those neighborhoods won't have as robust of an education and will be at a disadvantage going forward into higher education and better jobs. Mm -hmm. Therefore, those people will build less wealth and less likely to either move or uh, stimulate their own economies. So would that be systemic or systematic? I mean, I guess you have to like take it further because how did those poor neighborhoods become poor in the first place? Mm -hmm. um, you'd have to go like all the way back to the end of slavery, which wasn't even really that long ago. People were only allowed to purchase homes in certain areas of cities, black people, that is. What about the fact that black people couldn't get access to funding, whether right. they so, had the money or not? So, yeah, banks would decline to give loans and mortgages to these areas of people. While white neighborhoods, they got subsidies, like white families would get federally fund subsidized loans yeah. to purchase homes. Yeah, so you, like, you would think that a bank would frequently decline to invest in poor white communities as well, but... I guess there was like a series of articles written in the 80s in mm -hmm. Atlanta that won a Pulitzer Prize, and it showed that banks were even more willing to give loans and mortgages to poor white communities and families more so than middle-earning and higher-earning black families. Mm -hmm. So didn't happen. So what do you say now when somebody says racism doesn't exist and it ended with slavery? What do I say? Mm -hmm. I mean, I always I say they're crazy. You say that to your, their face? You're crazy? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> On top of all these deep-rooted issues, you have all sorts of things that happen with today's system of enforcement, which only really exacerbates the underlying problems. You have prisons that need to make a profit, which opens up the potential for abuse by way of kickbacks to judges for harsher sentences. Minorities, often the victims of this sort of systemic abuse. This is documented. So once someone has a record, it makes it harder to get a job. Once again, the poor minority communities are trapped in a system where they struggle to improve their lives, basically. So it just kind of like, you know, feeds uh, this sort of like self-serving system where it affects some people and gives other people a head start what do you, and a leg up. What do you make of the people who do escape the system and the people who do succeed mm -hmm. because often the people who say that racism doesn't exist will say look at LeBron James mm -hmm. or look at you know David Goggins uh, any example of a black or brown person who is not just gripped stuck. by this system yeah and just stuck uh well i think it's going to be a matter of percentages you know at the end of the day i think it's going to be uh there's going to be some percentage of people that are able to break the mold and get out of a terrible situation and it's going to come down to like i think it always does uh some combination of uh hard work and talent and luck all packaged together but i think at the end of the day like the percentages will probably show what the what the real story is you know it's not like it's not like one one person breaking the mold means that every single person is going to be able to. Yeah, sure. But what I'm saying is that a lot of the time that's the argument that's used. So mm -hmm. what is that? What is the counter argument to that? I would just have to try and rely on the data, I guess, and statistics and see what percentage of wealth is held by what percentage of groups of people and stuff and compare that to the, the population 
and then all sorts of other statistics, like what percentage of people make up the prison population and things like that. Well, what would you say? Mm -hmm. Black people know these things. So it's for those of us who don't understand how the systems are built, why they're built that way, to get on the train and understand. Even if you disagree, but just saying it's not it is not what do you mean? Going to be good enough. Like, what do you mean? It's not it. The racism doesn't exist. The racism ended with slavery. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean get on the train? Educate yourself with whatever, stats, questions. I struggle with people saying blanket statements like racism doesn't exist. So why do you think people are so angry? They're just angry because they've got nothing better to do. Mm -hmm. You don't think... Black kids want to focus on being an artist or being an architect or they are they, they want to be focused on police brutality. They want to be out in the streets protesting. Right. Because that's saying that these these people don't have the hopes and dreams that your seventeen year old kid has mm. as a white person. Yeah. Because they have nothing better to do than pretend to fight something that is not real. Yeah, or people think that, like, they just want to rely on services. Right. I mean, Who I... wants to be so reliant on somebody else? I can't imagine that. You know? I feel like the vast majority of people function the best and uh, feel the best when they are doing well for themselves and, and, you know, making their own way, however that way is for themselves. That's what I'm saying. Like, the questions we need to be asking is... Is there any potential, any potential at all, that black and brown people in America are angry for a reason? Any part, just like one ounce. Is there any part of that where I could be like, hmm, not just dismiss any movement that makes you uncomfortable, any idea that makes you feel a certain way. Like we have to examine that. Because you can dismiss it, but I don't. I don't see how everybody's got hopes and dreams, whether they come from rich families or poor families. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't understand. Like, who wants to be out in the streets? <laughs> it makes no sense. Right. Well, I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to like think for somebody else like that, uh, and you know, just like guess as to like what that person is assuming. You know. That's why should we, we try need and, to ask these questions. Should we try and bring someone on the show that believes that? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to fight. It's too much. I don't want to yell about it. It's too much energy, right? That is like life. So black people trying to convince white people or show them that the system is built to not work for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's too much work. Because that means that every time black and brown people are out in these streets fighting for equality, they are not creating, they are not making art, they are yeah. not starting businesses, they are not doing all the things that people take for granted as a given because we live in these United States of America and everybody has that option mm -hmm. and everybody has that opportunity. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't that part of the reason why things eventually devolve into either protests or riots or looting or whatever, because trying to explain what's happening is falling on deaf ears and no one is like really paying attention. So eventually it leads to something else where hopefully it'll get attention. Do you think? Obviously. But what I'm saying is that that's still the wrong focus. The questions we should be asking ourselves is really, I don't want to be out. Well, some people do. People do that at like they will use the same amount of energy to go to a sporting event, yell their lungs out and come home feeling Woof, like I did something. You think people want to be out in these streets being shot by rubber bullets and tear gassed as a form of entertainment? Probably not. Probably not. So if you're listening and you feel like there's no systemic or systematic racism, feel free to reach out. Hello at tellspodcast.com. What did you think? Andrew and I watched 13, finally. Well, for me, it wasn't the first time. What were your thoughts on 13th? 13th. Documentary on 13th Amendment, right? What is the 13th Amendment, Andrew? I don't know. What is it? 
I didn't realize that was that's what it was. Let me look it up. <laughs> it's literally the name of the podcast, and they talk about it. The podcast, like in the name of the show, and they talk about it like in the first five minutes of the documentary. Ah, it abolished slavery and involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime. Hmm. So you can still become a slave as punishment for a crime. I guess that was part of the discussion in the film. What what film were you watching? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What, what did you That's what they were talking about when people were working for uh slave wages in prisons. Interesting. Check it out. Thirteenth on what is it? <laughs> Netflix? Was it on Netflix? It is on Netflix. Yeah. Very uh interesting film. Angering, I would say. That was the main emotion I think I got when I was watching it. What me? What all about the uh, mainly about the uh, prison system? I think was sort of like the main focus. Although some other topics were highlighted as well, such as political messaging that has uh, come full circle since the Nixon days, or maybe even earlier than that. But Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the messaging has been recycled into today's today's rhetoric and slogans that are being used on the campaign trail. So uh, yeah, interesting movie. I recommend checking it out. What do you want to know? What do you want to ask me? Uh, like, what was the most surprising thing for you that you learned about in watching 13th? Mm, I feel like I've heard about or been somewhat aware of a lot of the different topics that were brought up. But I guess like when it's just like presented in that sort of a timeline, going back to the end of slavery and I don't know, just like through today's news and today's climate. Just like how just sort of blatant it is, you know, because I think like when you're living your life, things tend to get kind of lost in the shuffle, you know, like you're going about your life and you might read some headlines and hear about uh, a story or a topic or a problem with the country. And it's just, it's like, it's one issue among however many issues you're dealing with in your life. But Mm -hmm. when it's presented that way and it's like, this is how it came to be. This is how things came to be. This is how the story of why things are this terrible for so many people and it continues to be and it's like this really deserves a lot more attention even though it's it's people's lives and people are living that way it's like a separate world for so many people in the united states that don't have to deal with it and it's just another headline basically amongst many headlines Mm -hmm. um but when you see like how crazy of a system it is that we live in and how abusive it is to so many people, then it's like, it's pretty maddening. And it's crazy that like, we aren't talking about it like every single day until it's fixed. Do you think that would be the fix to talk about it every single day until it's fixed? Maybe we can try. We haven't tried. So <laughs> it could be worth trying. Because <laughs> there's a lot of other things that get talked about in between these things in my world, at least. There's, like you said, sporting events and poker games and bars drinking yeah i think the the gym women (laughs) and i think that's the hard part because how do you live a full life right because what are we supposed to be doing in america life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness yep so what's life having enough food to eat and safety health Mm-hmm. What's liberty? Free to express your ideas. Mm-hmm. Free to express yourself. Free to choose. Free to choose, like what you want to do, like how you want to spend your days, mm-hmm. how you want to raise your family. Yep. And then pursuit of happiness. That's like whatever in Maslow's hierarchy that would be self-actualization or yeah. I mean, I guess kind of not that sophisticated in that regard, but so. My question to you is, how do we balance that? Do we go, there's no way to live life this way because other people aren't, are being robbed of their freedoms and liberties. Or do we just, because I think what we do today is get upset and outraged about it and then have to lay it aside because you have... Your life is a full-time job. Like every single person's life is a full-time job filled with your own problems, neuroses, family, health issues. Yep. So how how do we do that? I don't know. I don't know how we do that. 
But I mean, I wonder if like part of the reason why we aren't doing it is because the lives that we're living are sort of like set up to make us less aware of these sorts of things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was part of, that was partly discussed in the, in the movie, you know, just like the way the news is presented to us and we're supposed to care less about certain things and certain people just because of the way it's portrayed. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers here today on this podcast, <laughs> but, uh, think more talking and being with each other and hearing about each other's stories and getting to know each other and things like that which is a little bit easy to say and doesn't really sound like it's going to do a whole lot but I think I think communication and talking to each other rather than getting the messaging from the top down that's always been sort of interesting to me uh last week was the anniversary of the loving law is that a law or a bill or what happened Hold on, let me look it up. This is definitely the first time hearing of this. <laughs> loving? I think it was the law. Didn't we watch Loving together? I yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about at the moment. Loving versus Virginia, 388 US 1, was a landmark civil rights decision of the US Supreme Court in which the court ruled that laws banning interracial marriage violate the Equal Protection and due process clauses of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. How does a non-American know more about the Constitution and the amendments of these United States than the American? Hmm? Mm. Hmm? I have no retort, no (laughs) argument, honestly. I have no idea. And you're in an interracial relationship. Am I? (laughs) I don't know. I'm pretty tan these days. (laughs) Been getting that sun... During sun o'clock, <laughs> 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. So I wanted to ask you, so th- these are the, these two people, the lovings. Okay. I see a picture of a guy in a plaid shirt and a girl with a flat top. Right on. Okay. It's a black and white photo from the 30s, you I, said? I don't know. Uh, 50s? 40s? 1967, 60s. baby. Okay. 67. Not that long ago. All right. How the many lo- years? The Lovings? Is that their real name? Yeah. We watched, didn't I watch it with that's you? Like, I must have watched it by myself. That's like Chris Moneymaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they were the people that changed love Amazing. in the law of America. Okay. So there was some dumb rule against inter- interrelational marriages? Yeah. Okay. All the way into the 60s? Yeah, baby. This is, this is America. We got to yeah. get out of here, baby. <laughs> We got to get over to the Cook Islands <laughs> for our new lives together. So, anyway. if you were Richard and I think her name was Mildred, Richard and Mildred Loving from the town of Central Point in Caroline County, where's that? Virginia. Okay. Were indicted on charges of violating Virginia's anti-miscegenation law, which deemed interracial marriages a felony. Imagine. Would you have gone to prison for this love? I would move us to Michigan, which is not that far over. Did they have the same law? Or no, I guess this is in the, is this like in the Constitution? What? It was the con- an amendment made in the Constitution. So it's so, the 14th Amendment, right? That's what the that's what the internet is saying. Confused. Okay, so you need to watch a you need some uh, a lot of watching and reading, sir. You sure it's not like the Virginia Amendment Constitution? happening so they it was in virginia but it got taken to the supreme court okay so i think i guess every state had their own interracial Mm -hmm. laws sure so i wanted to ask you if you would have gone to To prison they because in the movie they burst into the house and arrest them because they find them sleeping together you know did you see this movie yes okay katie i'm the only one interested (laughs) in human rights in this family all right so they took them to jail yeah, I'm asking, you can just watch the movie for yourself and yeah. you'll have the full story. Okay, would I go to prison for this love? Yeah. Yes, I would go to prison. <laughs> Why? Uh, to make a point. <laughs> to make a point? Yeah, that laws are dumb. <laughs> what do you think was the basis of that law being created, that interracial marriages were illegal illegal because we're afraid of black men 
taking our white women. Mm. I would assume. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. but <laughs> <laughs> And marry them, not just take them, marry them too. Mm-hmm. What do you think was the fear be- behind not wanting interracial marriages? There's a lot of judgment around the Holocaust, right? Yes. And of course, that is correct. But investigating where that began is very crucial to understanding how it ended up that way. Like how people ended up in Nazi camps was what? Hmm? Was What was the reason? Because what was the thought? They wanted an all German, all white, super race. Right. The idea. I so think. the same, and like if we take that logic and say, People weren't allowed to marry because why? Mm-hmm. Why? Because one race was less superior or you didn't want to contaminate the races right. by mixing them and having mixed children. Right. That could lead exactly in the same way. So we always like judge the result, but never question the source of sure. the madness. So that's why I'm asking you, like, who who comes up with these laws? <laughs> these laws? Yeah. Like, white people should marry black people. Right. I don't oh. know. I don't know who comes up with them. People with money and power, usually. But why? I'm trying to understand why. And influence. Because they want money and power and influence, I think, is what it always boils down to. So keeping people apart would give them money, power, and influence? Sure. How? Well, I think you always have to create a villain first of all and if you have someone who's less than then you automatically have power to take advantage of and people to take advantage of Mm. i think so wouldn't you just not date like if it was illegal today 2020 to marry or date uh somebody of a different race wouldn't it just be easier to not do that to not date Mm -hmm. why what do you mean like, instead of risking, do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder how many people just took that path and said, eh, it's too much trouble. I'm not going to date or marry outside of my race. Yeah, I'm sure tons of people. So what do you... I thought you were saying not date at all, anybody. Oh. <laughs> out of, like, protest or something. <laughs> I'm not dating at all until I can date everybody. Yeah. Noble. Okay. <laughs> So you would have gone to prison, huh? <laughs> Why, you wouldn't? I don't know. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm not worth it. <laughs> no, but I I wonder if, if you... I mean, think about the way you grew up. Mm-hmm. How many black women did you come across in Gross Point, Michigan? Like from when I was 6 to 18, you mean? Yeah. Uh, five. You know what I mean? So you're going to fight for one out of these five women, like, to ruin your whole life for? It just doesn't... Well, I thought you were saying if we already know each other, like, if we, if you and I got to know each other and fell in love and stuff. Right, but before you even get to the falling in love, Mm -hmm. the rules are there Mm -hmm. already, so would you even, would you even attempt to date somebody? Uh I would. That's because of all the other... Black girlfriends you I, had before you got with me, right? Well, I, didn't have, I hadn't met you. <laughs> but, like, if if the law was there when I met you, then fuck the law. <laughs> Pris, <laughs> prison, here I come. <laughs> we would both go to prison. Yeah, you too. Uh, that's very sweet, baby. Can we go together? <laughs> no, we oh. can't go together. Okay. Well, yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do, you know? So, we have to say, we have to be... Express gratitude to I mean, Richard Loving and Mildred Loving yes. for loving each other enough to thank, fight the law. Thank you, Lovings. Maybe some of their grandkids are listening to this podcast right now. Do you think that Richard just changed his name to Loving, like a basketball star would? I mean, they would? asked Chris Moneymaker if that's his real name how many times, <laughs> and he always says, yes, it's my real name. So Richard Loving just happened to be <laughs> the one to change love relations in the u.s indeed Hmm. funny how that works huh we're all products of the loving boom (laughs) um we're products oh yeah you're asking the guy who uh you know how many times did they tell me i can't film in the casino (laughs) 
you know? Yeah. So there I mean, you go. You still filmed in the You got to do it. Sometimes you just have to do what's right, you know? <laughs> there they are, 50 years later. They're the real deal. Still together. That's cool. From 2017. Yeah, so that's what, 50, 53 years now? Okay, you should watch Loving. It's very cute. Send it over. Send you, me the link. You don't know how to use the internet to Google a movie I for yourself? I guess I can do that. Mm, that's what I thought. Yeah, I'll try to do that. Okay. Okay. What other topics did we have to talk about? WSOP online. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. July is almost upon us. Yes. Tell the listeners of the podcast what is happening. What is happening is the WSOP is hosting an event, two events, technically online rather than at the Rio mm-hmm. because there's a virus. So we're playing online this year and there's lots of bracelets to be won. And they did not pay us to say any of this, even though they should be sponsoring <laughs> us if we're giving out all this information. 85 bracelets. How many bracelets in a regular imagine, WSOT? Imagine if one person won all those bracelets. That person would be a baller. They would just have them like all up and down their arms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're supposed to fit past your wrists, are they? You could get it altered. Okay. Um, I don't know how many there usually are. Probably somewhere around there. Something like that. For the whole... But that started like a month and a half ago, right? Or what? a month ago. What? WSOP would have begun a month ago. Yeah. Yes. But is this a compressed number of bracelets? Because obviously WSOP runs, what, two and a half months? That's what I'm saying. I assume it's somewhere around that number of bracelets during the, the usual live event. Right. But this is happening over a shorter period, is it not? Not really, no. Oh, because okay. this starts, so the WSOP.com goes from July 1st to the 31st. Okay. So that's a full month right there. And then after that, or not even after that, like on July 17th, GG Poker is firing up a WSOP partnership event for the people that don't live in the United States of America. Mm. And when I say US of A, I mean Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware. Okay. Uh, so anyway, July 17th to September 6th. So that's like a month and a half. So it's yep. like two months worth of Bracelets. Bracelets. So it's not compressed at all. It's even longer, actually. So yeah, lots of bracelets, lots of controversy as a result of this. Not really lots, but some controversy. What is the controversy? People think that this will sort of dilute the traditional bracelet value if there's now 85 of them to be won this year online, which... They've been giving away some of them or hosting some events online for the past few years, but 85 is a big number compared to previous years. And so people think that the bracelet should be this treasured thing that's won at the live event Mm. during the summertime, not grinding away online online when it's just a different environment. Did they consult with the coronavirus about this? They take it up with the management of the coronavirus? No. Mm. They did not. They should. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the obvious play for WSOP, I think. You know, they're going to want to leverage that brand at a time when their hand is a little bit forced or mm-hmm. literally forced, I should say. Not a little bit. Certainly Caesars and, uh, yeah, certainly Caesars is missing out on a bunch of revenue by not having the event go. Not only from Rake, but from all those bodies in. The Rio. Yeah. And all the properties. The properties, yeah. And stuff. So, can't really blame them. Same uh, average buy-ins for the tournaments as it would be in a live maybe, situation? Maybe slightly less, maybe slightly lower. Mm. I'm not sure why. I guess just maybe there's like hurdles. Maybe there's like more of a hurdle for people to put money online. And so less. they want to make it a little bit more accessible to more people. But they also have less staff, no? Like physically. I mean, in... Way, way less staff. In, at the WSOP, there's so many people working and there's so mm-hmm. many more things to pay for. Do you think that's probably why the cost is higher? Or is it just to make the price pools larger? Yeah, I don't know. I never really thought about it. But yeah, it could be. could be a reason. Okay, what about uh, your Hendon Mob status? Are you going to get a bump in Hendon Mob status if you win these tournaments? Sure or not. Oh, this is convert. Not... Confirmed? Huh? This is confirmed? Oh, I don't know. I haven't confirmed confirmed it. But, <laughs> confirmed. Uh, uh, the online results, tournaments, tournament results are usually not included. Included. Hand and mob. Yeah. But we can just pretend. We can set the goal of trying to win like, I don't know, whatever it is, $9,000, however far away I am from 
the $100,000 mark on my Hendon Mob. Oh, okay. Try and do that. Play some bracelet events. Yeah. And try to win that much. Or cash for that much, I should say. Because it's not a measure of profit. It's just a measure of cashings. Cashes. Oh, so if you sold like 50%, it doesn't take into account. Or if you rebought into a tournament like 20 times. And then you uh, like, that's kind of dodge, and, isn't it? And you min cash that tournament. It only shows the, the cash. The min cash doesn't, doesn't show. show that you're still underwater for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of dicey, mm. isn't it? But how do you know? Like, how on earth would they keep track of how many buy-ins? You know, because they. I'm sure only... they could, if they really wanted to, but they wouldn't want to. It's no better to show how many people cashes. have won. Yeah. So that's like a marketing tool, right? To oh sort yeah. Of lure people into the poker lair. <laughs> Indeed. The poker if really of knew, losses. If people really knew, like, the actual profit. It's mm. much less glamorous than it appears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's not to mention how many people are swapping, you know? Right. That's what all I that was. Stuff. That was the only part I was thinking of. The, you know, you sold all this action or you swap, yep. you know, 50% with this person or 25% over here. Mm-hmm. So you actually only make, like, two grand of ten thousand dollar cash sure but you know such is life you know people when they start a company and it generates revenue Mm -hmm. who knows anything (laughs) what (laughs) who knows how much profit there is who knows what the salary of the founder is getting i mean sometimes they might know if it's a public company but never mind anyway moving on yeah i don't know where we were going with that but (laughs) Okay. What's your next question? Um, how comfortable are you in... Uh, what date is it? In this closet? Not very. On June 21st, 2020, how comfortable are you in life? Not, and not just how emotionally comfortable are you? Not very. Why? Because not really like doing anything right now. Mm. It's kind of annoying. I mean, we did go on a bike ride protest, so that feels good to do a little something. So what is your MO, right? Because I think I go through different, do differently different times, right? So sometimes you have discomfort, emotional or otherwise, Mm -hmm. and you sit with the discomfort until you find the root cause. Yep. Or you can bypass the discomfort to pretend it doesn't exist by whatever, numbing, overworking out, eating, drinking. Mm Mm-hmm. What is your usual MO when you feel discomfort? Like as far as dealing with it? Do you, are you the person who will sit with the discomfort until you find the cause of it and then decide how you're going to fix it? Or do you numb first, hope it goes away, and as the discomfort mounts, then you get to a point where you go, okay, I think I've had enough of this. Yeah, thing. I think I'm the latter, probably. I think I just sort of deal with it for a while. And it just sort of exists for a good while mm-hmm. until I just get sick of it. And then it's time to do something about it. Something drastic. So, so eventually you better watch out. You don't want to be in that path. <laughs> <laughs> what happens on that path? I don't know. We just have to like do something, change something. So why is that a bad thing? Because you might be a victim. A victim you might be a, Or you might just be a casual observer, which that's good. <laughs> might be a victim of your wrath yeah you might get you know cast aside Mm -hmm. as my life goes on a new path okay (laughs) but probably not i'm terrified (laughs) terrified as of now i prefer you you to be there this conversation is going off the rails so like i feel a little bit i'm starting to get a little bit uh restless i think with the, the situation at hand as far as like Work-wise. Mm. So that's not really that comfortable, I don't think. So playing poker is not enough? Online poker is not enough for you right now? Um, no, because it's just hard to make content around it at the moment for me. So I don't know. I like. There's been a long time where I've, you know, maybe when I first started playing poker and like for a bunch of years, I, I thought I could like just be a poker player. But then, yeah, you know, I don't think I can just be a poker player. Mm. So... If I'm playing poker and making content, that's probably okay. Or if I'm like doing something else, then that would be okay. But right now I'm just playing poker. So I have some discomfort to answer your question. Okay. Any follow-up questions for me? 
No. What's your level of comfort versus discomfort? Extremely uncomfortable? Yeah. What's there to be comfortable about? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess food. Yeah. Like, uh, it's you don't want to be ungrateful, right? Yeah, but gratitude's got nothing to do with comfort. Okay. Why not? Does it? Why not? Why can't we just, like, be happy until we eventually are doing exactly what we want to be doing? We can. Okay. Yeah. So why aren't we? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Because we have some screwy ideas on how to get what you want. Like, you think you have to be angry, right? We've yeah. had this conversation before when right. I would ask you to pick something and you have to be angry before you whip out the drill bit. No. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, Andrew Nimi. No, I'm angry while I'm doing it because it might not go as smoothly as you envision it. I mean, but you are <laughs> preemptively angry. Am I? Anyway, it's beside the point. <laughs> okay, shall we read some listener feedback? No. Some... Why oh. can't we be happy while we are in between doing things? <laughs> We can be. We just choose not to be. And why is that? Because we've been told that to get to where you need to be is it's hard. And so nobody likes hard. So just because somebody said so? Yeah, literally. Well, that seems a little silly. I, I mean, maybe because humans do like comfort, you know. What? Because humans do like comfort. Like our body also likes homeostasis, right? That perfect balance. Not too hot, not too cold, just like that perfect. So as a being, that's what we like. And moving towards what you want is not always going to leave you in that state of homeostasis where you just feel nice and cozy inside. And so we instinctively reject that as bad. David Goggins says you need to love the suffering. While you're like in a growth phase or what? Well, he just perpetually suffers like that's his mo okay because he says that builds a but what is this suffering where is this suffering coming from in in like what sort of suffering is always comes from your thoughts yeah it always comes from how you let's just not suffer anymore sure okay stop suffering there we go are you going to what am i suffering about you tell me (laughs) (laughs) uh how to stop suffering about injustices and inequalities i don't know because that seems like dismissive doesn't it are we supposed to feel unhappiness i think there's nothing wrong there's you should be able to feel every single emotion okay but but it's whether you stay in that emotion that is right whether that causes the suffering right because if you're grasping for happiness is because you think it will never come back Mm -hmm. which is an illusion because you have to go, you go through all the emotions, right. sadness, agitation, and then you will circle back to happiness, hopefully. Okay. So we're just somewhere in the circle. Yeah, Fine. exactly. So Fine. Be, so be happy. I guess. You. I don't know. <laughs> all right. All right. Give me the listener feedback. It better be good. Wow, Boosie. Far too many F-bombs. <laughs> Chill. You're too intelligent to use that many. I'm sure you have a college degree and they didn't teach that in English Comp 101. Also, your utopia idea is nice but impossible. Being tried many places. This was from 6-8 podcast. So the podcast on June 8th. Okay. Most notably Lenin's USSR and Mao's China. Sorry, ain't gonna happen. We have the best system ever devised by humans. Just needs fixing. IMHO. In my humble opinion. This is a message from George. George. Interesting message. Where do we start? I'd like to start at the end where he says, we have the best system ever, in my humble opinion. Okay. Please. (laughs) Yeah, that's all. (laughs) <laughs> that's all you wanted to say <laughs> you just wanted to re-highlight that sentence it just seems kind of like an oxymoron doesn't it <laughs> by far the best system in my very humble opinion <laughs> okay how do you feel about this this man telling you to watch your mouth hmm? 
You're just trying to get a rise out of me, aren't you? <laughs> yes. And I will not. I am used to it. Black women are always tone policed, told yeah. how to be angry, how not to be angry, mm-hmm. because it will make people listen more, I guess, if I can speak very nicely mm-hmm. in the Queen's English. Yeah. How come I didn't get any uh, emails about my swear words? I definitely swore on this podcast. Maybe not far too many. <laughs> maybe there weren't far too many. You think so? Yeah. Or maybe it's because I'm a male. I don't know. But, I mean, I'm used to tone policing. It's not going to change. I'm allowed to feel every human emotion. Just said that earlier. And I'm allowed to express it how I want. So I think this is also part of our issue as humans existing on this planet. How do you know how somebody should feel just because they're expressing it in a language that you understand? If I was expressing myself angrily in Zulu and you didn't understand, would that still make you feel like there were too many F-bombs? I don't know. But it's like you sort of, I mean, basically tone policing. Yeah. Cannot determine how somebody will react or express their rage because it doesn't matter anyway in America whether I express my rage calmly or I express my rage loudly. It will always be considered angry black woman. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand what the big deal is really about that. And the line, you're too intelligent to use that many as if intelligence has got anything to do with rage so i don't know george tell me how you express your anger let me know the vocabulary you use when you express anger yeah i don't get it like there's got to be countless incredibly successful comedians for example that swear on stage right is that frowned upon doesn't seem like it if they're incredibly successful and that's just like one example of many many people i don't know george will write to us and tell us hopefully can't wait so george says there's not going to be any utopia which isn't obviously i said in the podcast this was we were discussing right we were talking about what the utopia could be Mm -hmm. a place without prison systems because if you understand the prison industrial complex and that it was created not only to police black and brown people because they were now quote unquote free from slave masters and they were not trusted to be creative and contributing members of a white society, Mm. then you would say that. You would say that it's not going to happen to have a world with no prisons because you don't understand why they were created for the most part. Mm People don't generally steal because they want to take something from another person. Mm -hmm. They do it because they don't feel like they can get it any other way. So understanding that mass incarceration is a billion dollar business, privatized jailing and prisoning of people. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Prisoning? Sure. Imprisoning? Imprisonment? Yeah, not prisoning. (laughs) The imprisonment of people is a business. And it capitalizes on people not being free. Mm -hmm. Those are the issues that I have. Seems like a more important issue than the F word. And the thing, what we said, too, during that podcast, if you hadn't listened to it, was that the idea of utopia is to imagine and shoot for the highest ideal. And hopefully in doing so, we land somewhere where it's a much better world for more people. Because I believe that our current world, whether it's in the US or in South Africa or in China, is not working for everybody. And we can't just pretend that that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess we can because we've done it for so long. So anyway, that was the Utopia discussion. And uh, yeah, but thank you for writing in, George. Yep. Thanks, George. Uh, The tone won't change. 
unfortunately. Nope. Not happening. So. Not in this closet. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, write to us. Hello at tellspodcast.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere that you are listening to this podcast. Google Play, Stitcher, tellspodcast.com. Yeah. And let us know. I would like to hear more people's opinions. That would be nice. Yeah. And hopefully everybody's staying safe, healthy. Mm-hmm. And until next time, bye. Bye.